Welcome back to Health Talk by TriHealth, a monthly podcast to help you take charge of your own healthcare and live a healthier, happier life. I'm Tom Tumbush. Managing your body weight is a critical part of any healthy lifestyle, but for some people, dieting and exercise just aren't enough. So this month, we'll be talking with Dr. Katie Meister, a specialist in bariatric surgery at TriHealth, who's helping Cincinnatians to get that weight off, keep it off, and return to doing the things they love. Also joining us in the studio today is Lee Bird, one of Dr. Meister's patients who formerly had a history of high blood pressure, high cholesterol, sleep apnea, and diabetes. He's made remarkable progress after having gastric bypass surgery a little over a year ago. Dr. Meister, Lee, welcome to Health Talk. Hello. Hi, thanks for having us. All right. Dr. Meister, many people find weight loss challenging, but how can someone decide when they need medical help? I think that the the first thing to look at is the BMI or the body mass index. Mm -hmm. And the body mass index is a simple calculation. You can look it up online. Um, It is on our website. And it's a calculation that purely looks at your height and your weight. And that it doesn't look at, you know, the amount of muscle. It's just height and weight. And that will allow you to see where you fall in terms of being normal weight, overweight, or classes of obesity. Now, is there an accurate way to estimate that body mass index without going to a doctor's office? You can, Absolutely. You can get the number online as long as you know your height and your weight. Okay. So there's a calculator on the TriHealth website there for is. that. Okay. Excellent. Now, aside from the medical issues, uh, obviously weight management can be a really emotional issue as well. Um, a lot of people suffer quietly with obesity. Uh, Lee, tell us a little bit about what your life was like before you had the surgery. Before I had my surgery, I... I was a rather large man. I was 400, almost 450 pounds before wow. I started this whole process. And it was hard to get up in the morning. When mm-hmm. I got up in the morning, I would it would be hard to get up and move. My body did not want to respond. Uh, simple things that you, that you take for granted, like taking out the garbage or, you know, running around in the yard with dogs, all of those types of things end up being more stressful on your body than you think. You find yourself breathing hard. Your heart is palpitating faster. And you, your just whole quality of life kind of goes down. Sure. And it, it becomes uh, it becomes a situation where you don't want to go out and do anything because it's too hard to go out and do anything, mm-hmm. which then you know ends up looping around and making you not want to do it more, which then makes you gain more weight and and not exercise as much. It's a vicious it just, circle. Yes, sir, it really is. Okay. Dr. Meister, have you heard similar stories from your other patients? Absolutely. Um, it's, it's actually very common. As you mentioned, a lot of patients kind of suffer in silence um, and don't really bring these things up. Um, they focus on the weight. They don't focus necessarily on the emotional aspects mm-hmm. um, of obesity. Now, many of our listeners know that there are surgical options for weight management, and we're definitely going to talk about those here in a minute. Uh, But they may not know that TriHealth also has a medically managed weight loss program that doesn't actually require surgery. Can you tell us a little bit about that program? Yeah, within our, uh, our weight management center, we do have two physicians and one certified nurse specialist that see um, non-surgical patients. And Mm -hmm. so those are patients um, that may need a little extra help um, or patients that aren't ready for surgery, either medically um, or emotionally. And those physicians specialize, again, in non-surgical weight loss. So there are medications that they are able to prescribe that they have special certifications for. But in addition to that, they have close follow-up and they're seeing the dietitians as well. Now, at what point does weight loss surgery or bariatric surgery become the best option for a patient? 
There's a couple different factors that we look at. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, BMI is the first kind of um, category that we look at. For patients with a BMI over 40, um, so it's roughly corresponds to 100 being 100 pounds overweight, mm -hmm. we know that the chances of patients losing and maintaining the weight is less than 1%. So that's where surgery really fits in. Mm -hmm. For patients with a BMI of 35 to 40, it's recommended to consider surgery when they have other comorbidities or other health conditions that are related to their obesity. So things like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, sleep apnea, diabetes, and there's a, a lot of other, um, but those are kind of the most prevalent. And Lee, you had most of the things on that I list. I had all of those on that list, and, <laughs> and then a couple that aren't on that list. <laughs> so, Dr. Meister, apart from getting rid of the pounds, um, what are the benefits of weight loss surgery as a treatment for obesity? I mean, obviously losing the weight is the big one we think of, but there are, are clearly other health benefits if all these other conditions Absolutely. are tied in. Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing is that we know um, for patients who have a BMI of 40, if you look at patients that undergo surgery and compare them to patients with the same medical problems that didn't undergo surgery, on average, the patients who underwent surgery live seven years longer than the patients that didn't undergo surgery. And that's because, again, we're treating more than just the weight. We're treating the high blood pressure. Patients are getting off of their medications. We're treating their diabetes, their high cholesterol. All of those things, those are three huge risk factors for cardiovascular disease. And so ultimately, we are changing patients' lives and their outcomes. But beyond the medical benefits, there's a lot of emotional benefits as well. You hear patients that tell me, uh, you know, I can finally ride a roller coaster with my kids. I can finally ride on an airplane. Um, I, f I have so much more energy than I used to. And those are things that we can't really measure, um, you know, in terms of, you know, years of life. It's not just years, it's, it's improved quality of life. Yeah. Hard to quantify, but definitely, Absolutely. definitely a big change. So Lee, how have you seen emotional benefits like that in your own life? There is a huge emotional benefit of getting the surgery and especially losing the weight. Mm -hmm. You don't really you don't really think hard about it in an introspective way, but you receive judgment from other human beings. You receive judgment from your own family when you go to, you know, family outings. You have to you're always worried about your image. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's just a human nature type of thing. Sure. And you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, my God, I'm so fat. What am I supposed to do? You know, or, or the size of your clothing. And once you've started losing the weight and you go to put on a pair of pants that slip down to your knees, you immediately think, oh, wait a second. You know, I'm, I've lost this much weight and I can now buy new clothing, which then gives you a chance to improve your self-image. Mm -hmm. And it improves your confidence. Uh, you might notice I wear my wedding ring around my around my neck. And the reason why I do that is because I went to get dressed one day and my wedding ring flew off my finger. Mm -hmm. And I could no longer wear my wedding ring on my finger. And I told my wife, I said, this is my original wedding ring. And I don't want to get a new one until after I have lost enough weight that I'm not going to lose anymore. I'm in a, you know, in a, in a maintaining position. Sure. And that knowing that I have to actually take something that I've worn for so long. In fact, today's my... 14th anniversary with my wife. Congrats. Oh, congratulations. And, you know, having something that, that I wore for so long no longer fit me because of the amount of weight I lost and the lifestyle changes I've made boost your confidence more than you could ever imagine. I mean, there's, there's nothing you could possibly do that gives you that emotional sort of, of pick me up like getting the surgery does and, you know, having the after effects of losing the weight and, and improving your lifestyle. Now, there are different types of bariatric surgery. What types does the TriHealth team offer? 
The TriHealth team offers the uh, laparoscopic sleeve gastrectomy, typically known as the sleeve, or the laparoscopic Roux-en-Y gastric bypass, which and, is also known as the gastric bypass. And tell us what you, each of those are. So with the sleeve gastrectomy, what we do, uh, both of these surgeries actually are performed through very small incisions or minimal mm-hmm. access surgery. So not terribly invasive or... I would say it's still invasive. It's still surgery, but it's done through incisions that are about the size of my my pinky or my thumb. Okay. Um, So they are quite small. Um, However, uh, the sleeve, what we do is we turn the stomach from the size of a football into the size of a banana. And so that changes, obviously, the amount that patients can eat, but it also changes some hormones that are involved in hunger and involved in metabolism. Mm -hmm. The gastric bypass is different than the sleeve in that we don't take anything out, but we do reroute in the gastric bypass. And so with that, what we do is we create a very small pouch on the very first part of the stomach, and we connect the bowel up to that portion of the stomach. And again, it helps with portion control because the portion of the stomach that the food is seeing is much smaller, but then the food actually bypasses a portion of the stomach and a portion of the bowel. And so it changes, again, a lot of the hormones that are involved, and it changes your overall metabolism and absorption. Now, how do you determine which of those surgeries is right for a given patient? There's a couple different factors. We do look at patient's weight um, because there is different weight loss between the two surgeries. Mm -hmm. And then we look at their other comorbidities um, in terms of, you know, do they have bad reflux? Do they have diabetes? Um, Overall, you know, overall patient picture. Gotcha. Lee, was there one specific moment that led to your decision to have the surgery? Absolutely. So... I had tried many different weight loss techniques, all of the diets, all of the the fad diets that come out, the different types that people tell you. I attempted to exercise, but because my body was where it was, I had issues exercising, but I was still attempting everything I could. Mm -hmm. And I still gained weight. And the reasons why I gained weight were three very simple factors. I didn't do enough exercise. I ate the wrong kind of foods and I ate way too much of those foods. Mm -hmm. And at one point, I reached 447 pounds, and I looked at my wife, and I said, I feel like if I hit 450, I'm just done. I'm, I'm just going to quit. And for me personally, I have no medical proof of it, but I felt that I had maybe five to eight years left of my life. I, I could feel my body. You had that just, intuition. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I could feel my body getting to the point where it just said, I'm done. I, you you haven't done enough for me, and I'm, I'm finished. And I told my wife, I said, I've got to get something done and since I can't seem to do it on my own, I need I need a, a, a crutch or a kicker or, or a help, you know, something to kind yeah. of kick me in the butt and keep Some me kind going. of support. And that's what it ended up starting me down the path of since I can't seem to do it and weight loss isn't going to work for me the normal way, I'm going to go seek help, you know, in a professional way. So what led you to choose TriHealth when you made that decision? When my wife and I moved to... Cincinnati in March 2010. I had lost my insurance. We were down at the rock bottom. I had no way to turn, and I ended up turning to St. Vincent de Paul. Mm-hmm. And they had a uh, pharmacy that they offered at the time. Okay. And through that pharmacy, they were giving me the life saving medications that I needed to stay alive. How many and medications were you on at the time? At that time, I think seven to nine, maybe. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was quite a few. And they ended up sending me to a 
to a free sort of health clinic mm -hmm. that could help you out. Those folks ended up sending me over to TriHealth, and I started getting a little bit of a, of a relationship with TriHealth. Okay. So when I got my life back together and I was able to get insurance and seek out help, I had already dealt with the TriHealth folks so much, and they already knew so much about me. And I loved the fact that they had such a large system where all the doctors had all of your charts and all of your weight and you know blood pressure and everything that for me, it was kind of a no-brainer at that point. And I wanted to stick with TriHealth because they were able to offer me a comprehensive team mm -hmm. to work on me rather than seeing one doctor and then going to see, you know, a bone specialist and the bone specialist say, well, I need everything from your other doctor, you know, and, and having to deal with all the different people. Sure. It was a lot less complicated to have it It really all. was. And it was, it was great to have. And, and I have to say that over the, over the years I've been working with TriHealth, they have continued to impress me with the fact of the amount of doctors that are underneath their umbrella working together. When I go to see my, my primary uh, doctor and she says, oh, I can see that you went to see these three doctors and your <laughs> weight was here and then here and then here. It's great because she already knows. Or for Dr. Meister, when she needs all of my labs taken for my blood work to come see me, my primary doctor is able to pull all that blood work for me when I go to see her a month or two earlier. And then she can give everything that Dr. Meister needs to her. Gotcha. Now, how did the two of you get connected as he was considering weight management surgery options? I mean, essentially just kind of through our office. Um, I think that, uh, I don't know if it was whether your primary doctor put in a referral um, yes, or if you had was. called in. And so that's kind of how he uh, landed on my schedule. Okay. So how did you determine which of the procedures would be best for Lee? So we talked about both procedures when Lee came into the office. Uh, we talked about both the sleeve and the gastric bypass. Um, however, one big factor for me when looking at Lee was his diabetes. Mm -hmm. um, he had been a diabetic for some years, was on a, a couple different medications, including... At that point, just 13. A few, 13. Yeah, 13 medications at that point, including two insulin shots a day. Wow. Yeah, one that I had to take twice a day and one that I had to take in the evenings. So two different insulin um, medications. And um, I believe just prior to seeing me, his A1C was close to 12. Is that right? 12.4. Now, 12 tell our listeners what A1C means. So A1C is a uh, marker that looks at your overall blood sugar control over an average of about three months. Okay. Um, so normal is, uh, the goal is certainly less than six. Mm -hmm. um, Pre-diabetes is kind of in that six to 6.4 range. Um, and so, so 12 is you know double that, so quite high. Wow. Um, and so that's kind of a big factor in um, talking to Lee about proceeding with the gastric bypass. Mm -hmm. um, there are a number of studies of randomized control trials comparing surgery to, to medical therapy for the treatment of diabetes. And in those studies, surgery outperforms medical therapy in the treatment of diabetes. There's been studies that compare the sleeve and the gastric bypass, and there are benefits to both the sleeve and the gastric bypass, but the gastric bypass gives a little bit of an edge over the sleeve. Mm -hmm. And for someone like Lee, who has had so much difficulty with his blood sugars, I wanted to give him the best surgery that I could to treat his diabetes. Okay. So let's talk about that surgery, Jay. What was that like going through that and the recovery that followed? The day of surgery, I went in very, very, I'm an early guy. I wake up at five o'clock in the morning every day of the year. Mm -hmm. And I went in very, very early because I wanted the earliest one I could. I figured rather than suffering in the evening, getting it out of the way during the day, and then I could hopefully sleep that night. Mm -hmm. So I went in bright and early, and they came in and shaved my belly. And I have six small holes on my belly where the uh, where she put in the, the little rods that do the whole surgery. Mm -hmm. So they shaved my belly down. 
Uh, they they must ask me my name, birth date, and age like four billion times. Every step of the way, somebody's asking. They look at your they look at your little bracelet, and then they still ask you, you know, to make sure. And I guess it's one of their checks. And yeah, balances. it is yeah. one of the safety checks. It's one yeah, of the which safety makes things. sense. I mean, you know, yes. I'm sure some skinny guy wouldn't want to wake up knowing that his stomach had been cut in, in <laughs> one quarter of it off. And then once I once I went in, they uh, they were very very nice. I have I have a eye condition called photophobia. Okay. So as you notice, it looks like I'm wearing sunglasses. Yeah, you have like rose-colored glasses. Yes, on. sir. Yeah. And they were nice enough to dim the lights for me because obviously I needed to take off my glasses. Mm-hmm. And uh, they asked me to to take some deep breaths of oxygen. Mm-hmm. And it was actually the sleeping uh, the stuff to put me to sleep, which was great because never even knew it was going. I thought I was just breathing some oxygen. I woke up later on that day, and they were right there at my bedside. You mm-hmm. know, asking me how I was feeling. I mean, it was very groggy at the beginning. And they were asking me how I was feeling, went over my chart, asked me my name and birth date and age again a couple yeah. hundred times. And uh, I woke up and it, it hurt. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it, it's not. I mean, sure, like it's surgery. Said, yeah. It's an invasive surgery. They're still going in there and rearranging right. quite a bit of things. Mm-hmm. But when I came out, the, you know, having the people there taking care of me right away and being able to answer my questions and field anything that I, you know, that I, that I was wondering about, you know, cause obviously you can talk about it as much as you want before the surgery, yeah. but once you come back out of it, now your body's feeling different and you can feel things pulling that weren't pulling before. Like for instance, I had one stitch or, or one spot where they had to go through a muscle, I believe, mm-hmm. and they had to go through an actual muscle. And that was the spot that was, that was the most troublesome, you know, especially coming right up out of surgery. Sure. Sure. So Dr. Meister, tell us a little bit more about uh, the the weight management recovery process when one of these surgeries takes place. Absolutely. So the recovery um, certainly starts immediately after surgery. Mm-hmm. And most patients spend about a day in the hospital prior to going home. But that's definitely not the end of the recovery process. Sure. I'm, I'm guessing the surgery isn't a quick weight loss fix all by itself. Correct. Um, so in terms of uh, kind of physical recovery, most patients are feeling more like themselves about a week or so after surgery, but they're still pretty tired. Um, that can last for a couple weeks, even after surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I tell patients, it's even though it's small incisions, it's still a big surgery, and so it does take your body some time to recover from that. Sure. Now Lee was telling us about the the sort of uh, the, the homework, if you will, that he had to do before surgery. What kind of lifestyle changes do you expect? patients to make both before and after a procedure like this? Definitely. It's something that I talk to patients about at their very first visit is that surgery is not magic. Mm-hmm. It's a tool. All the same rules still apply. It's still about eating the right things, the right portions, and absolutely getting exercise in. Uh, we know that patients that are able to exercise 150 minutes a week, which roughly corresponds to 30 minutes a day, five days a week, do better long-term than patients that either can't or won't get the mm-hmm. exercise in. Um, so it is, it's still lifestyle modification, um, more so than just another fancy diet. Mm-hmm. Lee, if you don't mind my asking, how much weight have you lost since you started this process? I'm almost down to 150 pounds wow. that I've lost so far. It, it has been a, a rather long journey and it has been an amazing journey. I'm not going to lie to you. The The changes that you have to make are substantial and shocking. Mm-hmm. So no more five guys, fries and burgers, no more pizzas, you know, no more ice cream. You can't, you know, all, all the comfort foods that you, that you grew up loving, the things that put the mm-hmm. weight on there to begin with, you don't eat those no more, but you can, it, it is hard to do, but you can find ways to still enjoy foods that do not put on the extra pounds. And I'm sure there are lots of other benefits that more than make up for the loss of those comfort foods. 
it, it's amazing the differences that I have undergone since surgery. Uh, it, it and you know to be frank, it, it improves even things as simple as your sex life. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, being able to get up in the morning and not spend twenty minutes trying to get your body to work, to being able to look down and see your own toes. Mm -hmm. You know, little things that you don't notice. And, and the doctor was talking earlier about people saying that they could ride a bike now or, or other things. For me, the, the, the one that made me laugh, every doctor's office on earth, I don't know why, has these chairs that have, that they're made out of metal and they have arms that come up. And for every fat person out there, and I'm sure everybody knows what I'm talking about, when your hips hit those metal bar things and you're trying to squeeze into one of those, yeah. it is not only painful and embarrassing, it's also, it just, it's a reminder of mm -hmm. how big you are. Some doctor's offices now have larger chairs. The first time that I went after surgery and had to sit in one of those chairs and my hips didn't touch the sides was, that was it for me. Right then I knew that it had all been worth it and everything I had done had been all towards the better. And it's been, a, it's been a really amazing journey that has, that has changed my outlook. I, I grew up in the South. Mm -hmm. We grew up with three things on every plate, meat, potatoes, and bread. And that was, that's our meals. It doesn't matter in what, in what configuration they come, everything was meat, potatoes, there. and bread. Yeah. Yes, sir. And I was the type of person, my wife is Italian, and I'm the type of person that I grew up saying, I will never eat couscous or tofu or, you know, I don't want to eat turkey bacon you know, to me, turkey's not a bacon. And, you know, you, you grew up saying these things as, as they become more popular. And now those are my foods. And at first I, I railed, and that's probably one of the reasons why I couldn't lose weight on my own, is because I railed against the thought of if I can't have a hamburger and some French fries, you know, on a big old bun, then I don't want to eat it. And now I still eat hamburgers, but now mm -hmm. my hamburgers are on these small little thin sort of pieces of bread called sandwich thins and the burger itself is made out of turkey which is 90 percent fat free mm -hmm. so i still get to have a burger and it's still just as delicious but the difference is now is that what i'm eating is actually good for me instead of putting on the pounds some patients have concerned about the effects they may have heard bariatric surgery can cause on like bone mass or kidney function or other changes related to nutrition. Are, are these significant risks that need to be considered? They, they can be. And as part of our program, we actually follow patients for five years mm -hmm. managing and maintaining their vitamin levels. So it's very, very important that patients are taking their vitamins. And it is a special vitamin regimen for patients after surgery. We then check their vitamin levels at three months after surgery to make sure that everything is where it needs to be. And some things do need to be tweaked. Um, and then we check vitamin levels every year after that. Mm -hmm. More frequently if we need to, but we want to make sure that their, their calcium levels are, are where they need to be. Their vitamin D levels are where they need to be for good bone health. Um, from a kidney standpoint, we can see some improvements um, because of improvements in the blood pressure, because of improvements in the diabetes. That can uh, Those two um, diseases affect the kidneys long term. Now, Lee, you're what, a little over a year out from yes, your surgery. And uh, what kind of changes like that have you seen in Lee? So I think, I mean, I can let Lee speak to this as well. Um, but, you know, he mentioned he was on 13 different medications mm -hmm. prior to surgery. And um, Lee, how many are you taking now? I, I take one optional voluntary medication that I don't have to take, but I do for my benefit. That's phenomenal. And that's it. Congratulations. So, and I think, you know, something we talked about earlier, A1C as well, and, you know, doing this surgery for his diabetes, 
Um, you know, so his A1C we mentioned was just above 12 when we met and then just below 10 before surgery. And now he's in a completely normal range. He's 5.5. Right. Right. Normal, um, you said, was about 6. Uh, yeah, That's absolutely. exceptional. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, it, it goes, uh, the benefits go above and beyond just the getting skinnier. Mm-hmm. The medications that I were on, as we said, 13, cost over $6,000 a month. Oh, my gosh. So if you think about just the, you know, no matter how much the surgery costs over the long term of being able to cut down or get off all of your medications, mm-hmm. that right there saves so much money that it would easily pay for the surgery once your a year. Your return on investment is going to come pretty quickly. It, it really is. And, you know, those types of things along with the benefit of being able to get up and move around more and being able to go out with your family and do things or not be embarrassed to go mm-hmm. outside. I've never really been the embarrassed kind of guy, but, you know, being a large person and having little kids point at you is an embarrassing thing. Being able to walk outside, and don't get me wrong, you know, at 300 pounds, I'm still a big guy by by anybody's means. But 300 pounds, I have pictures of myself when I bought my wife a new vehicle at 447 pounds versus seeing myself in the mirror now. And those reminders of how much I've lost is just, it's phenomenal. It really is. Now, since we're talking about the cost of the surgery and the medications and whatnot, how difficult is it to get insurance to cover this kind of surgery? More and more insurance companies are covering the surgery, um, which is is great. There are still some insurance companies that don't. Um, and sometimes we can work with them in terms of... Um, whether or not patients meet qualifications. Um, And we do have uh, financial packages that we can work with patients that don't have coverage as well. But ultimately, you know, if if it comes down to it's a financial burden for the patient, we still have the non-surgical arm as well. And patients still get benefit from that. One last question, and I'd actually like both of you to answer this. Um, What advice would you give to someone who's considering weight loss surgery? Lee, let's start with you. My advice for anyone that's even considering it is do your homework, look at the options, make sure that you start ahead of time. You, the, the faster that you start figuring out ways to lose weight on your own will give you the leg up, as the doctor can tell you, for actually getting your surgery. That's the reason why I had to wait as long as I did is because I had to lose that weight and get my A1C down. Sure. The get a team. Uh, for me, like I said, TriHealth, having having Dr. Meister and the dietitian in the exact same building, when I go to see one, I go to see the other at the same time. So I do mm-hmm. a dual appointment. It, it's amazing because I can talk to the doctor about the medical side. I can talk to the dietitian about the, about the food and sort of the emotional and psychological side. And together, that, that sort of team working together, it, it makes you feel, you know, it feels like a, feels like a, na- a race car driver. Having, mm-hmm. having that team kind of keep your car running and all you've got to do is drive. It's sort of the same thing. Having that team behind you really does make a huge difference. For me, as she said, the, the R&Y surgery was the right way for me to go. The, the pain was not that bad, mm-hmm. as she stated. It was only a week or so that I, that I was in any kind of pain or tired. Um, the amount of things that I can do now are, are unbelievable. Before the surgery, I had so many problems, and now the difference is just out of this world. It really is worth 
getting the surgery done. Now, if you can figure out how to lose the weight on your own, obviously that should be the right way for you to go because I, I joke with people all the time about the surgery. I'm pretty open about it. And I say, you know, the doctor went in there and kind of rearranged the furniture. <laughs> and that is, you know, I have two stomachs now like a cow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're not both hooked yes, up properly. But, <laughs> you know, I, and I tell everybody it's it's – you know, they're going in there and they're cutting things off and they're re-putting things on other places. They're moving things around and you're always going to notice it. I tease the doctor all the time that my stomachs actually talk to one another and they make <laughs> sounds. And, and it's a constant thing. It's just one of the things with surgery. And going through this whole thing for me was worth it so much that I would do it again and again and again. I mean, you know, it it, it has literally saved my life. I, I tell people all the time when they're asking me about the surgery, I, I explain to them that Dr. Meister, as far as I'm concerned, is an angel. When I when I look at her, I see a halo and wings every time. She saved my life. And without her, I, I probably wouldn't have very many years left on this earth. But because of that, now I have the ability to honor my vows to my wife and stick around till death, which is going to be hopefully a lot longer away. <laughs> Let's hope. Dr. Meister, what advice would you give to someone? Uh, so actually to echo a little bit on what Lee was referring to as well. So first and foremost, obesity is a disease and it should be treated as any other disease. And so with any other disease, we start with our primary care doctors. And so that's always the first place to start is with your primary doctor. And so as you mentioned, you know, if we can do diet modification and lifestyle modification and you have success, that is great. If your disease has progressed beyond the point that lifestyle modification is enough, that's where it's time to start talking about other modalities, whether it's medications or surgery. Surgery is still the most effective treatment for the treatment of obesity. It's extremely safe, um, which is another kind of misconception about surgery is that surgery is dangerous. But the overall mortality from surgery is actually 0.1 to 0.2%. That's pretty low. It's just as safe as having a gallbladder out or a hip replacement or a hysterectomy. Um, and so, as we mentioned, you know, there's so many other benefits, um, you know, besides just the weight. Um, but I think if you're thinking about it, um, first talk to your primary doctor, and we're happy to see patients at TriHealth. As part of our program, we have a support group for patients. And so we actually require patients to go to a support group meeting prior to surgery. So you can talk to other patients that have been through surgery, hear what they've been through, Um, whether it's struggles or the benefits from surgery, um, so that way they have a better understanding and have kind of a support system in place Mm -hmm. um, prior to undergoing surgery. All right. Well, this has been a very informative episode. Thank you both for taking the time to be with us here on Health Talk today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to Health Talk by TriHealth, where leading local care professionals help you to stay up to date on proactive health care strategies and to live a healthier lifestyle. New episodes of Health Talk by TriHealth are released on the first Tuesday of every month. I hope you'll join us next time. You can listen to Health Talk online at trihealth.com or search for Health Talk by TriHealth on SoundCloud, Apple iTunes, or your favorite podcast source. This is Tom Tumbush. Thanks for listening. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only. It should not be relied upon to make a diagnosis or for treatment purposes. And this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. Please consult your healthcare provider or contact TriHealth to make an appointment if medical attention is needed. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals interviewed and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of TriHealth or any of its affiliates. This podcast is the copyrighted work of TriHealth, which owns the exclusive rights thereto. Unauthorized use, copying, and dissemination are illegal. Copyright 2019 TriHealth. All rights reserved.